Welcome to Empowering Connections, a podcast by Connie Akins, a licensed professional counselor with a private practice to help you heal your personal and professional relationships through counseling advice, tips, and ideas. Empowering Connections will focus on healthy ways to improve these relationships, help you manage your stress, and attain a better sense of self-fulfillment. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Today, I have a very exciting guest with me. Her name is Benita Sanders. She is a master level social worker and the senior director of college and career access and success at Strategic Community Partners. She joined the organization in 2021 and is responsible for leading the organization's community-based efforts around college and career success for students and adult learners. In her role, she plans, coordinates, and develops the overall leadership, vision, and focus of the SCP, College and Career Access Strategy, while managing key partnerships with community stakeholders. Prior to joining Strategic Community Partners, Benita served as the Senior Director of K-12 Education and Digital Inclusion at the United Way for Southeastern Michigan where she led education, digital inclusion, and community initiatives. She also brings a wealth of knowledge from her experience as an assistant director at the University of Michigan for the federally funded GEARUP program, gaining early access, awareness, and readiness for undergraduate programs, where she guided over 1,000 students to pursue their dreams of higher education. And today, Benita and I are going to talk about how parents can support their college age student. Benita, would you like to say anything else about yourself? Oh, thank you for having me, Connie. Um, In addition to being the Senior Director of College and Career Access and Success at uh, Strategic Community Partners, I'm also a mom of three. So I have a daughter that's 25, a son that is 21 and currently at North Carolina a and I'm studying mechanical engineering. My daughter is um, working full-time and I have a 12-year-old. So from the lens of just professional, being a parent, also spending time working in schools. And I think my um, what I like the most is that I like working with young people, young adults as well as um, having experience in training college students to do youth development and college access and success. So yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much. And I'm, I'm just happy to have her a part of the Empowering Connections podcast today because I met Benita actually over 10 years ago when she was the assistant director of Gear Up. And I just found her to be so energetic so enthusiastic and so knowledgeable about college planning. And I was just beginning my role of high school counseling. And so she was very helpful um, with that process. But today we're gonna talk about parenting a little bit, college age students. And I too am a parent of three adult children and each one, has matriculated to college. And I actually have, um, my youngest is in medical school right now. So I'm very proud of him and his accomplishments. But Benita, my first question for you is, 
what do college age students need from their parents? Uh, they need, so some things students need, they don't know they need. Absolutely. And some things they need um, that they know. So um, the givens are like whatever financial support can be provided because, you know, a lot of times students go off to school and there are things that students just don't necessarily think of. They may not have received at their open house or unexpected expenses. Um, so not only just financial support, but also to helping in terms of that financial literacy piece of it, right? Because you get on a college campus, folks are throwing credit cards at you and you look up and it's four years later or a year later and you have accumulated not only just debt from being in school, but also to debt from credit cards. So I think that's one of the, that's one of the uh, big things that students need. I think another piece that they need is um, encouragement, right? Sometimes parents can think that, and it's not necessarily intentional. You've gone on to college, you're 18, you are officially an adult. And really as you and I both know, that gray matter is still there and they're not officially an adult till you're about 25. And now I'm seeing studies where it's saying like 30, right? So the things that sometimes we, and I'm going to include myself, assume as parents like, oh, this should be common sense. Like you should know how to do this. Actually, they don't. So being, being able to give your child grace and space and being able to communicate and communicate in a way where you're showing them how to do certain things. I'll give an example for like my son. Thinking about his full 18 years, really 19 years, we handled all of when you had a doctor's appointment, we handled the insurance. So just something as simple as when you're calling the doctor for certain things, this is the information that you need. This is what out of network, means this is what in network means my son went off and paid like and lord if he's listening to this son um i love you i'm sorry but i have to use the example so he <laughs> went to a dentist to get his teeth cleaned he ended up coming out of his pocket like 300 dollars, and i'm like why would you pay 300 dollars? we have full coverage dental you're just getting your teeth cleaned he's like well i like this particular one the ambiance they had televisions i said but you're just going to get your teeth cleaned but we, we, what we found out is that it was out of network right so those those the type of life skills students need that we don't think about because as adults we've been doing it for a while they also need that and i would just say even though you're your child may feel as though, you know, they may feel as though they're grown, right? Absolutely. It's still important to check up on them. It's still important to send them care packages, even if they don't ask, right? S sending them little things to, uh, especially if your child is going away to school and they may not necessarily be going to, they may be going far away or not going to a school that not a lot of their friends going to have gone to, they need to have that sense of home that yes, you are away at school, but you are still a part of this family. And yes, I'm still going to call and check on you. And for parents, understanding sometimes they may not answer the phone. They may not answer a text until two days later, right? But I need to know that you're breathing, that you're doing okay. Um, sometimes students, your child may feel as though um, they have to have a handle on everything. 
So there may be some mental health things going on, just either imposter syndrome can sometimes creep in or being homesick, but they don't want to let you know that. So having those checkpoints to check in just to say, hey, you know, and even for my daughter who's not in college, um, she's working full time, but as a parent, you know your children. So just to check, say, hey, I'm just checking on you. Even if they don't respond, I'm sure they're reading it, but at least they know that somebody cares about them. Wow, those were excellent points. The point about financial literacy, I had a similar experience. I'm not going to talk about it, about one of my children going out of network. Mm -hmm. So I totally agree with you on that. I like the fact that you said space and grace, because I think that college age students don't always feel that their parents are giving them space. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is some parents actually hover. Some parents actually, um, there's a term out there called helicopter parents. Some parents uh, manipulate everything that the student does or oversee everything that the student mm -hmm. does. And so I think you made some really, really excellent points. And so the fact that you use the term uh, space and grace leads me to my next question is how much oversight or influence should a parent have on their students' activities while they're in college or even their, their course selection? So you mentioned helicopter parents, and I read an article not too long ago about lawnmower parents. So parents have gone from being helicopters to being right on the grass as lawnmowers, right? So what do you mean by that? Explain that to the audience. Meaning you are you think about a lawnmower in the grass. So if you think about your children as being the grass and you're the lawnmower, you're that close on them that really they cannot breathe. They can't they can't make a decision without referring back to their parent. And I'm of the mind frame, just as a professional and as a parent, I always tell students that I work with and I tell my own children, this is your journey. It's not my journey. It's not my dream. Um, it's, it's not my journey. And they've known that since they were younger. So therefore, the decisions you make are important, but what you really have to think about are what are the consequences of those decisions? As long as you can live with the consequences, go ahead and do it. But I want you to think about the consequences first. And a lot of times students may maybe squander a passion because they're trying to get the approval of their parent. Or they may want to go to the arts, but their parents are like, you know, well, you won't make a lot of money. Well, that's not necessarily so. And then some, for some parents who have gone to college, college is so far removed from them that that may have been college 30, 20, 30 years ago. Things have changed and evolved. So I think in terms of as a parent, my job is to be a guide on the side, right? It's their life, their decision. And I'm here to help them make informed decisions, not to tell them what to do, because I need them to be critical thinkers. Because as a parent, we're not always going to be around, A, and B, we can leave this earth, right? So we have to be sure that our children are critical thinkers so that they can think on their own and make decisions in the moment when you are not there. For my children, 
and for the students that I, I still that I work with, um, what I say to them is I ask more questions as opposed to telling them what to do. Or I may ask them because sometimes your children can come to you. They don't want you to fix it. They just want you to listen. So asking them, do you want me to problem solve with you or do you want to just vent? That way I'll know what way to engage in that particular conversation, right? So my son, for instance, one semester, I feel like he took like maybe 20 credits. It, it was something crazy, right? And so the next semester we had a conversation about it. Now I did ne not necessarily agree with it and he did well, but it cost him something because he was just utterly exhausted. But he had to make that decision weighing out the pros and the cons of making that decision. And that's what you want your children to be able to do. So when you hover and you want to select their classes for them, um, you want to select what activities they should be a part of. You know, you want to choose these things for them. They may become resentful because maybe what you told them didn't necessarily have the outcome that they wanted. But also, too, you have to, again, allow them space to make mistakes. They, they are human. So you learn, you learn things two ways, either mistakes or mentors. And mentors are the people who have already made the mistakes. So you can give that feedback of what to do and what not to do or to say, you know, well, when I was in college or this is what I would do. But you want to make sure that they're in a position to be critical thinkers and for them to own their journey. Because when parents are making all the decisions for them, they cannot own their journey. So if it doesn't go, if it doesn't go well, they're going to turn around and blame you for it because you're the one who told them to do X, Y, and Z. Uh, but you want them to get to a point where they're not always coming to you. And our jobs as parents are to, is to give them the information, to guide them, um, to offer advice, and then ultimately let them make the decision. Once again, very good advice because it's very challenging um, today or in our current culture where we're seeing students with high levels of anxiety um, and depression. And some of the students that I encounter uh, I kind of get the impression that they feel inept in terms of making choices and decisions. And so I think that what you said was excellent. Give them the opportunity to use critical thinking skills. And I like what you said about, you know, you, you can look at it from two perspectives, either mentor or mistake. And I feel like when we make mistakes as human beings, mistakes are also opportunities. Mm -hmm. It's an opportunity for us to learn something different. It's an opportunity for a college student to learn how to navigate new systems, new places, new people, new things and new activities. And when you have parents who manage every aspect, then that person probably in my mind feels insecure, uncertain, and, you know, not really happy. And, you know, we were talking about the pandemic and how it's um, increased mental health problems in society 
-hmm. Now, parents, this is an opportunity for you to, as Vanita said, check in with your student, but also ask them that important question. Do you want me to listen or do you want me to solve your problem? Right. And I think that we need to allow them the space to start problem solving and using those thinking skills that you talked about. So more and more, I'm thinking, how can parents who have a college age student help them to grow more independently? And I think you kind of touched on that, but is there anything else you want to say about that? I, there was like a little script, right? When you're making phone calls, these are the things that you need to ask. These are the things you need to say. And really teaching your children how to advocate for themselves, right? Because whether it is um, dealing with doctors, dealing with authority, I'll just put authority, right? Because how society is set up is that if someone has a particular title or they hold a particular role, they should be the all-knowing guru. Even, <laughs> and this may be a little controversial, even as parents, right? Absolutely. Children, nine times out of 10, I know my children, they thought I knew everything, mm -hmm. right? Because I was solving problems for them. So teaching them how to advocate on their behalf and how to communicate effectively to get their needs met, right? You should never walk away from a situation where you don't have a clear understanding you're signing something that you don't really understand. If you need another set of eyes or if you need, you know, being okay with saying, I don't necessarily understand what it is that I'm signing. I need you to break it down for me and provide some understanding so that I can make a decision that's in my best interest. So teaching your children how to advocate for themselves in situations will just go far. Because as we know, you know, working on a college campus, there are so many resources. So that's another part of advocating for yourself. There are so many resources, but you have to, you have to, sometimes you have to ask. Sometimes folks, for whatever reason, won't voluntarily give them to you, right? Absolutely. And then showing your children, okay, well, if someone says no, either how do you turn that no into a yes or if they are on the side of right saying, okay, well, is there someone else that I can speak to to have this conversation so that I can either get an understanding or um, come to a different solution? So I think advocacy is really important, showing them how to show up and use their voice mm -hmm. in support of their goals and dreams. And I think the last thing is that uh, really supporting your children no matter what uh, they decide to study, right? But you have to make, helping them to really make informed decisions because, you know, if you decide in your junior year that you, initially maybe you start off as a freshman and you wanted to study history because you want to be a history teacher. And then all of a sudden your junior year, you're like, okay, well, I think I want to study business. Well, there are some things that go along with that because all of those credits are not transferable, right? So when they're making decisions, so still supporting their dream, but also having a conversation where 
and and what I say is okay. Well, you have to make it make sense because if it makes sense, and then sometimes it may not even necessarily make sense to you. Sometimes they may be living out a dream because it's your dream, or what the family, it, what they're feeling as though the family is assuming that they want them to do, as opposed to they're really passionate about this other thing, and now they feel as though they can really voice that as a junior. And still supporting it, right? So that means that there are another, there are other dynamics that go into that, and there are just maybe some consequences that they did not necessarily foresee, but still supporting it. We like. I really want parents to think about. Sometimes we put undue pressure on our children, and I'm saying this as a parent who has done it. So I'm not. Uh, talking about others, I'm talking about myself as well. We put undue pressure on our children that we don't even know necessarily that we're putting on them because they have a set, they hold us in such regard that they feel as though we have a set of expectations. And so that goes back to that open line of communication saying, I just want you to be the best you that you want to be. I want you to be successful. I want you to be healthy. I want you to be happy and whatever I can do to support that dream, I will support it. That will go a long way because there's a, a freedom in that because that takes some of the pressure off of them that you may not have necessarily uh, known that you were putting on them. And then if you are a parent or if you come, if your child comes from a family of high achievers, they may feel that the, the, the assumption is Oh, well, you're going to college, right? And the reality of it is, is that everybody has their own path. What's really important is, are you able to take care of yourself? And do you have some type of post-secondary plan? Be it trade school, be it a certi cert uh, certification program, be it a four-year college or university, be it a, a, a community college, what is your plan? that will alleviate a lot of stress as well. Because if your child is not ready for a four-year college or university to go off, and we know our children, why push your child into something that they're not necessarily prepared for just for them to come home? And then that's a whole nother set of pressures. Like we have enough pressures right now in the middle of this pandemic. That's the last thing that we want to do. So sometimes we have to shift the, the, the college talk beyond a four-year college or university. And I think not just with parents, but in schools too, and have a very open and honest dialogue about what is best for you? What is your best fit? What is your plan? And then let's create a plan for that. Absolutely. I think that two things that you said are very important to me. One is that students uh, in college need to pursue their passion. So I'm not becoming a replica of my parent. And one analogy that comes to my mind is I used to live um, next door to a teacher. And sorry if you're hearing this, but the daughter came to me and she was very artistic. And she was like, my mom wants me to be a teacher. My mom wants me to be a teacher. She was like, but I don't want to be a teacher. I want to be a graphic designer. And so I felt torn because as an adult, you always wanna support other adults, but at the same time, I wanted to support a young woman 
who was gifted artistically. And now, and, and so I told her, I said, well, you know, sometimes we, you know, we listen to our parents. I said, when you go to college, you are able to explore different programs and different opportunities. And so, you know, maybe your um, parents will come around. I was like, but you really should pursue your passions because pursuing your passion is what gives you purpose. And so this young lady is now one of the top graphic designers, one of the top ones. And I was like, wow, I'm happy I didn't tell her. Well, you know, your mom is a teacher. You should be a teacher. And, And I really felt a lot of conflict because I am a person that, you know, believes in, you know, order and things like that. But I had to tell that young lady, I was like, follow your follow your passion. And it it has worked out for her tremendously. She would have been unhappy in a school setting. Right. Versus being this elite graphic designer that she is right now. And it would have been, it would have been a dream deferred, right? Exactly. What happens to a dream deferred? Sometimes it never materializes. Exactly. Exactly. Does it shrivel up like a raisin in the sun? So like, we have to be okay with parents. We don't know everything. You may want your child to do, be a teacher or whatever the case may be because you were. Like, I feel as though my, my, my daughters, they really should go into social work because they have what I call like the social work gene in them. We have a family, you know, my sister's a social worker. My mom probably should have gone to school for social work, but she went for public administration. So, but if they decide that's not their lot in life, that's not what they want to do. It is okay. Right? Like it's okay that they don't necessarily want to do that. And pursue your passion and be able to really um, get paid for that passion, right? And be able to explore the world, all those other good things that we want for our children, as opposed to being tied down to, and teaching is a very, like we need teachers. Without teachers, we wouldn't have anyone else. But if her passion is being artistic and being a graphic designer, let, let her be what God intended her to be and not necessarily pushing our own things on our children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. You've said a lot. So listen, I'm going to go to like a social part of parenting and, and dealing with your college age student. And so my question is, what are some reasonable expectations for students living at home? Cause now we, you know, college, it used to be you go away and the pandemic has made even those kids who were in some four-year institutions stay at home and do remote learning. So, you know, what are some reasonable expectations of, for kids who are either at home doing the college or returning home on breaks? Uh, clean up after yourself. Bye. Keep, keep your um, space clean, contribute, right? If you have a job, contribute something. I'm not saying that you have to pay half of the mortgage, half of the rent. I'm saying contribute something because that shows that you're making an effort and you want to support your parents. Now, some parents may say, oh, no, no, no. 
I'm just going to tell you, <laughs> as a parent myself, I'm going to take the money. <laughs> right? Now, I may save it and give it to you when you decide to leave or whatever, or I may pay a bill. We don't know. Either one. But, and I also think that, um, so helping out around the house, um, I think keeping those lines of communication open, right? So being respectful. Some, some young people feel as though, well, I'm an adult. I can come and go as I please, right? But the fact of the matter is most parents are like, well, if you are not paying, adults pay bills. So if you're not paying bills like that, you can't go and come as you please. So you have to like, you have to weigh your options. I'm not saying that, you know, parent. Now, some parents may put a curfew on their children, like, listen, don't come in past midnight, right? Which I think in some instances, just depending on the child, is reasonable and depending on their age. However, be respectful of where you're living because whether you're living with your parents, your aunt, your grandmother, whoever, whatever the case may be, you just have to be respectful that that is a shared uh, space. And parents worry, you know, what, whether students, you know, whether our children, I mean, I'm 45 and my parents still call me like, did you make it home yet? And I'm like, yes, I made it home. Um, and it's like the older I get, the more my parents start to worry. I'm of, I'm not necessarily a worrier like that. Um, but what I will say is if you're going to be out and you decide you're not coming home or you're going to spend the night out, right? Make a call to your parents just to let them know where you are at. It has nothing to do with your parents wanting to control you or that they don't feel as though you're responsible. But the responsible thing to do is, is that if you're living with someone, and you decide that you're not going to come home as opposed to them sitting up worrying about you, you need to give them a phone call. Now, some parents may be like me because sometimes when my oldest daughter was living with me, I would just go to sleep. <laughs> um, but again, having that understanding that if you're going to be out and it's late because, I mean, the world, the way the world is now, you want to know where people are at and you don't necessarily want to worry them. Because on the flip side, this is what's funny about my children. If I don't answer the phone after they've called me several times, oh, they will get an attitude and say, well, I've been calling you. You didn't answer the phone. Why didn't you answer? So give your parents the same courtesy because you, if your parents didn't answer the phone while you were calling them, you would be upset and you would be worried about them. Uh, so we talked about just helping out around the house and then, you know, if you're using the car, put gas in it, <laughs> you know, buy a few groceries, you know, um, just those simple things, right? And every household is different, right? So we can't just make the assumption that um, all students are coming from the same household. So every household is different, but I think what's most important is that if students are staying home, that again, that communication is key. Sit down and have a conversation. It may be uncomfortable 
And then two, parents can't make certain assumptions, right? Because your child may be like, well, you didn't say that. And then the parent may say, well, you should have just known that. No, not necessarily. And it may mean that it's in writing, right? Maybe you draw up a little contract. You, both of you signed it. It's probably not binding, but, you know, just so that you won't end up on Judge Mathis or someone <laughs> with you and your parents because uh, something came up and there was there was an meeting of the minds, right? It, it is a, it's not a transactional relationship, but there has to be understanding so that folks don't necessarily assume that there's an understanding around certain things, right? Because what they did while they were in elementary, middle, and high school, that student may think, oh, while I'm in college, I'm an adult. That changes the dynamics. And the parent may say, no, you're still living here. The dynamics are still the same. I'm going to say this, uh, Benita. The dynamics need to be, some boundaries Yes. Needs to be set. That's my word. Yes. Boundaries need to be set. Parents do not be afraid to set a boundary with your college age student, with your young adult, mm -hmm. because, you know, we're still responsible for them learning, teaching mm -hmm. them for their development, because they're not just automatically grown at 18, like you said earlier. So set some boundaries. If you want to negotiate, that's fine. But just being uh, nonchalant or loose or or even inflexible is not healthy for your relationship. It's not. With your college age student. And who wants to go to school stressed out? And as a parent, who wants to go to work stressed out? Especially if the parent, if the parent is working from home because we're in the pandemic and the student is doing school from home because we're in a pandemic. So that means you're literally in the same household for at least eight or more hours a day with the same person. Sometimes I get on my own nerves. And guess what? As parents, sometimes we're going to get on our children's nerves and they're going to get on ours. So that we there's a, a meeting of the minds. And as you said, like those boundaries are established and there's a, under, there's a clear understanding. If there's no black and white. And I will also say is that if you make an agreement to something, if you decide as the parent or even as the student that is no longer working for you, having a conversation. Now, that doesn't mean as, as, as the child that the parent is going to change and vice versa, but having that understanding because what will that, what, if you don't have that understanding, what will happen is that then you will stew and brew and no one is really talking about the situation. And who really wants to live in a house that's full of tension and stress because folks are not necessarily creating boundaries and talking. That, that's, that's really good. So we're going to close with this. What are some ways adult children can get along better with their parents? And we, and, and we started off, you know, basically answering this question by saying that boundaries need to be in place, mm -hmm. but what should these college students be doing? Creating their escape plan. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's okay they might want to, they might want to escape their parents i mean they, honestly they may want to, and it's not i won't even say necessarily an escape plan right when i think about when um the uh, some of the students that i work with right so 
I have a student that we are, and as you know, like I'm still very close to students. I knew them like in sixth grade. Okay. And they are go- they have gone off, had children, <laughs> finished their degrees, have careers, and we're still close. Okay. Um, but there are some students who, you know, they're around my son's age. And they may not necessarily have all of the support systems that they need. So sometimes they still rely on me to help them make certain decisions. And with one student in particular, um, I'll call her mentee now because she's 21. Mm -hmm. But what I had to tell her was, you have to write it down. You have to make a plan, right? Whether it's on your computer, on a piece of paper, you have to have a plan. And I'm not necessarily saying an escape plan, although some students may want to escape from their parents. But what I'm saying is that you will not um, forever be in a space where you're living with your parents forever, right? So what does that look like? If you decide that you know, you're not doing virtual school anymore or you're going back on campus, what does that look like? What are your financial goals? What are your career goals? Those things, because if you have a goal, then that will help you in terms of what action steps need to go along with that particular goal. And you'll have something that you're reaching towards and it may speed up the process, but also to sharing those goals and that plan with your parents. You know, letting them into your world of what's going on now you know young adults feel like i'm not telling my parents everything which you just you shouldn't there should be some things you keep to yourself right but if you want folks to support you and what it is that you're doing you have to have it written down and then you have to think about how you're going to go about um executing to then move on to the next level whatever that next level decides to be I like that. Have a plan and learn how to communicate with your parent. And actually, you know, I think the communication changes once the young person feels that they're an adult. And I know I've experienced it with my own children where I'm telling them something or giving them advice and they're still, I'm still their parent. And so they don't understand the difference between me parenting them and me just simply giving my opinion or advice. And I have to remind them sometimes, you're, you are grown, so you can still make an independent decision, but this is how I look at it, or this is how I view it. I'm not, you're not required right. to just right. do everything I say anymore, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you're an adult. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's funny that you say that, because um, my, my son's father and I, we had that conversation uh, this is a few months ago. And what I did not necessarily realize is that his dad was like, no, he's usually going to do what it is that you say because he, not that he doesn't hold his dad in that regard, mm-hmm. but a lot of the, because I was in that uh, post-secondary world, he would hang on to my every word because he's like, my mom does this for a living. I'm just going to listen to what it is that she's saying. So I had to really understand that and have a conversation with my son, but really change some of the way in which 
I parented because because of that, and just saying simply to him like, whatever decision you make, I will support you as long as it's in a positive direction. You don't have to do everything that I say. If you choose not to, that's because there are some things that he has. I'm like, well, you should do blah blah blah, and he's like, okay. He'll say, okay, and then I'll go back and say, well, did you do um, A, B, C, and D? He's like, well, no, not really. And I just have to say, okay, that's mm-hmm. cool. If, if that did not work out, or you didn't think that was going to work for you, that is okay. Because I don't want to be a helicopter parent. I don't, I don't want to be a lawnmower parent. I want to be a guide on the side so that they can make the appropriate decisions that are best for their life. And I will say that I didn't get that way overnight. It took some time, some conversations. And I will say my adult children are thriving. My daughter is doing well. Um, My son is doing well. And even, so my 12 year old, I'm like, she has the best of both worlds because A, it's just her and I in the house. But all the things that I've learned from parenting my older children she gets the benefit of that. And I can see the difference in my parenting style, but also too, just in being, it's not like it's always, now some things are my way or the highway, but it's not always my way or the highway because you have to teach your children how to activate their voice in a respectful manner, because if they can't do it in the home, when you send them out into the world, they won't be able to do it. And then you'll start to think like, well, well, why would you say that? Or why didn't they do this? Well, you didn't necessarily, the training starts at home. So you have to equip them with those things before they even leave the nest. Thank you for your wonderful advice. And so college parents out there, remember to be a guide on the side. And it's our responsibility to equip our young adults with their voice and allowing them to use their critical thinking skills. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. This was fun. The Empowering Connections podcast is not intended to replace the need for a professional counseling relationship. This podcast does not constitute professional advice or counseling services. As always, if you need mental health services, please seek a qualified mental health provider. You can find Connie Aikens on the websites Psychology Today and Therapy for Black Girls. If you have an iTunes or Spotify account, please subscribe, share, and continue to listen. Feel free to check out Connie Aikens' website at www.empoweringserenity.net. And follow Connie on Instagram at Connie Aikens LPC. You may not edit, modify, or redistribute this podcast. We appreciate you listening to the Empowering Connections podcast and providing feedback. Stay positive.